0: Hi, this is Rabbi Mentz. Welcome to the 13th episode of The Mensch, where every single week we discuss different things that may be happening in the news or in life and give you a positive way of thinking to make the right choice. You know, it says in the teachings of Judaism, that if a person comes to court and says something, and then all of a sudden, he doesn't like the way things are going for him, he can't change his plea or his testimony down the road. Case in point. Today we're having, and and, and it bothers me, if I was a parent sitting in a car, listening to the way candidates or even news reporters are talking to the president, whether I like the president or I don't like the president, calling him a liar or calling him despicable. First of all, we got to tone that down. But it seems like that our president was having an interview with Bob Woodward to make a book. And he gave him 18 hours. And in those 18 hours, he actually went and said that it's really a lot worse out there. And you could get the coronavirus, but I'm toning it down. I got to tell you something. Everybody jumped all over the, what? The president know that it was worse? And everybody's saying to him, he knew it, he knew it. He should have made everybody worried, a panic. We could have saved lives. And everywhere you go, I don't care what station you're watching or listening to, Everybody is literally getting down on the president. If you knew it, you should have put up the red flags. Now, I agree with that. But how much should a president put up the red flag? Let's be honest. Should he go and say to everybody, everybody in America, there is a poison out there. Head for the hills. You're going to die. No, you didn't walk out of your home. Is that what a president does? No leader in the world does that. Never happened and never will. Because part of the job of a leader is, is to keep everybody calm through the worst of all crisis. Even during World War II, out of England, the prime minister would go and speak and have his fireside chats to calm everybody down. He didn't make everybody, he told them about the urgency, but he never made them panic. In fact, Joe Biden, in February, it's all over, you can look it up on YouTube. He went and said, no, 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 it's no time to panic. In fact, when the president stopped planes from flying into America, he was complaining. Why is the president doing all of this? Nancy Pelosi went and said I'm going to Chinatown you can walk with me but today they're changing their testimony because they feel that it's easy to go and say we always said we have to panic we always said that this we could have saved lives and the president is a liar he was always saying it's not so bad and look how bad it really was when he really knew it was bad the president, meaning President Obama. We had the SARS virus. We had other things. People are dying left and right. He never closed the economy, and he never scared anybody about it. Do you remember when the, uh, the mosquito was flying all over the place, and everybody was getting scared with the uh, the, uh, the Nile virus? And people who got bitten from it were paralyzed. Never once did he say, stop the plane from coming in from Africa. Stop the planes from coming for any connecting flight to anywhere where you can pick up the West Niles virus through a mosquito. We never shut the economy down. Yet people's lives were at risk. Why didn't they? This is not different. Not everybody's going to die from coronavirus. Which, by the way, I know everybody was saying that you can't have the oxychloroquine. But my mother-in-law She's in her 80s. She's in a living facility. She's very sick. She just came out of Cedar Sinai and she had coronavirus. We went to the doctor and said, Could you please give us oxychloroquine? And he said, We can't. But I have a knockoff of what oxychloroquine is. My grandmother. I mean, my mother-in-law. She went in. She went out. No pain. You see, people, when it comes to the time of election, they scream that the other guy is bad, but you can't change your testimony. You can't go and say that the president knew, and he should have made a panic when you yourself said in February. You you can't change your testimony. So, what's going on in the news today? Makes no difference if you're a Democrat or a Republican. It's not about whose side wins. You and I are losing out on the beauty of what America is. See, America was open ideas and exchanging ideas through debates. We may not people are already voting today. There are people voting. We haven't had any debates. What's going on? But what bothers me now is a lack of respect for the man in office. It makes no difference if you voted for him or not. You don't call him despicable. You don't call him a liar. Whoever I ever voted for, whether I liked him or not, I would never call him a name. He's my president. And you really don't get angry at him when you yourself testified, why are we going through such a panic in closing up all the flights? And Joe Biden, he did that. But you would never know it today. If you listen to the news, we have short memories, but that's why I'm the mensch. The mensch remembers. And the mensch is letting each and every one of you would know, no matter who you're voting for, you better put your candidate to a higher standard. He should or she should not win by changing their testimony when they're blaming the other person for the exact same thing that they themselves did. We deserve better. I guess when you're putting up a candidate today, we as a society are allowing this. I'm the mensch. I'm standing up to it. Therefore, Joe Biden, don't use the word despicable. Also, President Trump, I would advise you, Stop calling people names. Stop using names. We're America. We want an exchange of ideas. Not who could put down the other one better. It's not a shouting contest. America has to be a mensch. I demand it from our leadership. What say you? And God bless this country. We sure need it. I'd love to hear from you. God bless us all. Welcome back to the mensch. This is one of my favorite parts of the show when my producers are able to ask me anything they want. But to know how this works, I'm gonna throw it over to my producer Jack. Hi Rabbi, this is What Would a Mensch Do? These are quick bites asking topical questions from today's news. This week we're gonna talk about Rosh Hashanah and Rhiannon will ask the first question. Hi Rabbi. So next week marks the start of the high holidays, beginning with Rosh Hashanah, and we will be asking a series of pre-Rosh Hashanah questions. So Rabbi, for starters, can you tell us a little bit about the holiday? What is uh, Rosh Hashanah? It's a very good question. Everybody thinks of it as the Jewish New Year. But what makes it a new year? What, What happened to make this a new year? So Rosh Hashanah is really the sixth day of creation. And God created man, and when God created man, Adam, Adam was not created as a caveman. He was created as a brilliant person, was able to understand what this world was, and he said, "Yesh b'alabayis There is a master of this entire creation, and being that he was a wise man, he knew the name, and he said, May the Lord be king. The Lord was king, the Lord shall be king forever and ever. God said in heaven, if man coronated me today to be king, every single year I will act like the future earthly kings that will sit on their throne and take in all of their inhabitants and listen to their pleas and fulfill whatever they need. This is the beginning of the year when we request. It's a day of coronation when Adam coronated God 5,700, and it will be 81 years ago that God sits on his throne and he judges all mankind for whatever they want. And that's why we wish everybody, may God bless you with a happy, sweet new year. question is why add the word sweet? Why can't I just say the word happy? The reason why we Jews throw in the word sweet, because sweet we can taste. You see, many times people give blessings. Oh, may you have this, may you have that. But a taste is in the world of reality. So when we wish you, may you have a good year. We're not saying that it should just stay in the world, the heavens and just words. We want it to reveal itself in this physical world in a sweet way that you're evil able to taste how good this world and this year is for you? It's a very good question. So it's really the birth of Adam that makes this world, uh, that makes it a Jewish new year, but it's really the Jewish, it's really the year, the new year of mankind, because all people are judged on this day. Great question. That's lovely what you said about the sweet new year. Is is that why... Is that why we eat apples and honey for the new year? You know that yes, very good. But why an apple? Why not something like biblical, like a pomegranate or a date or a fig? Why an apple? And then honey. Israel is it's it's blessed with milk and honey. But the honey that it's talked about is dates filled with sweet honey in it, dripping from honey. Why aren't we using date honey? Why bee honey? And the answer is an apple. King Solomon compared the Jewish people to God as, as beautiful as the aroma of an apple. So we bring our beautiful aroma, which is an apple, and we dip it into bees' honey. You see, a bee has two things it stings, ouch, but it produces sweetness. See, each and every one of us know that when we come to God on Rosh Hashanah, we're not saying it's just could be a sweet, yeah, yeah. We know it's going to be stung. There's going to be a sting somewhere. Who knew last year, Rosh Hashanah, God had corona in mind. But we ask God, may we live through whatever the sting is, that we can come through with it in a sweet way. And that's why when we dip the apple into the honey, we actually go and say, may God bless us with a year that it should be good and sweet. Because we know the sting it hurt. But could we come out of it in a sweet way? And that's why we do the apple and honey. Great, great observation. Thanks, Rabbi. Is Rosh Hashanah just the Jewish New Year? How can non-Jews relate? As I said before, we Jews have a biblical command. We have to live Rosh Hashanah, coronate God on Rosh Hashanah, blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, But we must pray for the world. You must understand, a Jewish person may be chosen by God to do the Jewish religion. We're also part of God's world, which is the whole world. So we pray for rain, not just for my house, but for everybody. You must understand, if everybody has a blessing, it makes the world a better place. If only two or three people are blessed, then it creates jealousy. So we ask God to heal everyone. We ask God that there should be peace on earth. We ask God that there should be financial blessings for everybody, each to their need, not their wants, because people say, I want I want I want I want they'll love to be happy. And we ask God, please take care of us. That we should live in peace, that our prosperity should be good so we can have time and no stress to be able to study his torah and practice his religion and for the rest of the world also to be at peace so you can pursue how to make this world a better place so for the non-jews they're banking on us and we have to pray for them too you must understand it's not all or nothing just for the jews also for all humanity. That's a good question. But let me add one more thing. One of the things that you pointed out in the question was, what about how does this relate non-Jew relate to this holiday? And the reality is, I don't know what makes January first, January first, except for Gregorian making this you know New Year's. Every human being came out of Adam and Eve, they were not Jewish, but this is the birthday of man. So this is the birthday if you're from China, Mexico, Africa, Russia, Ireland, Australia, Israel, or Brooklyn, New York. This is our new year, humanity's new year. So a non-Jew can take stock on this day and ask themselves, have I been a good person in God's eyes in being the best that I could be to make his world a better place? Because every once in a while, we should take stock of our lives and ask, am I worthy of his blessings to have another year of life? Am I doing a good job? See, no matter if you're Jewish or not, these are positive and beautiful things for them to contemplate, which leads to, if it's New Year's, how come now we're not singing and dancing? Because the Jewish way of doing things is heavy meditation and contemplation, how to make myself a better person. If you're not Jewish, join in. Really is a wonderful exercise. Thanks, Rabbi. Due to the coronavirus, do you think it's more important to celebrate and observe now more than ever? Every single year is always going to be now more than ever. Because as the world spins, each year becomes a lot more qualitative than it was the year before. So each year, yes, it is very important because we have to look at every year as a new year of growth from last year. And a lot of people think, ah, religion was for the good old days. But if you heard what I said before, God, I didn't say that we celebrate Rosh Hashanah. I said God wants us to live Rosh Hashanah. These, These are days that we have to live. In other words, take stock. It's now 2020. It's a whole different world from 2019. If you really think the way the world has changed from 2019 to today, you would think, there's COVID. We have to hear more about the next person in their health, which most of us never even thought about in the past. You'd walk down the street to go, i too, whatever. Maybe in color like this. Today, we care more about our fellow man. So there are so many more ways, qualitative, in 2020 than in 2019 to live Rosh Hashanah. In contemplating, how can I better be a better Jew? A better servant of God? So yeah, this year is if anything, is more important than last year. But if you come to me next year and ask me the question, I'll say, are you kidding me? Do you remember where we were in 2020? Whoa, what 2021 is all about. You understand what's going on? So yeah, this year, it's very important for us to be able to go and celebrate this year more than any other year. Great question. And finally, Rabbi, what is your New Year's resolution? Ah, <laughs> uh, to be honest, my New Year's resolution is I want to do more. I got a little frustrated in 2020, and what my frustration was is that everything became Zoom. The Zoom is a wonderful way to come to your home, but it's not as personal as when we're in a congregation. My New Year resolution is to find a way to become more personal. Or maybe instead of doing these big classes on Zoom, maybe do more one-on-one until everybody feels comfortable to come back to the services and come back to the classes in person. I really, really feel there's a disconnect with people in general. And we were created to be beings to be connected with others. So the most important thing about a resolution is, is what is something deep inside me that will make me a better person? And I think the best way to bring the best out of me is if I start thinking how I can be better to all humanity. And I look at my congregation, I love it. They're very much in contact with me. But it's still... In a distance, and I think I'm going to really work on how can I get even closer to people and reach people more in a personal way than ever before. Now, there's one more thing about a resolution. You ever notice people take on a resolution? I'm going to eat less. I'm going to exercise. The problem is these are resolutions that people take that is for their body and for their looks. It's a little bit on the shallow side. I am looking on how do I improve myself between me and humanity? And it's those kind of resolutions that last a lot longer than a week or two or even a month. That's a great question, but I think you're the first one. Now that I'm sharing with everybody on the podcast, that is most probably going to be my my resolution because it really, really bothers me. It really, really bothers me that we have this distance. Even look at us. I'm in my place, Jack is in his place, and we and you're in your place. And when we came up with this idea, it was like, why aren't we all together? We'll all eat dinner together, and we'll all be together. But because of Corona, we have to be separated. But we're spending time with each other, and that makes the relationship still strong. How am I going to do that with my congregation? And how am I going to do that with everybody? That is my resolution. What ways can I get closer to everyone else? Welcome back to the final segment of The Mensch, where I always like telling over a story to give you an understanding how we all can be a better mensch. You know, there's a phenomenal story about a little boy who did it how to pray. And the reason why I'm telling you this story is because many of us, we go to services We're bored out of our minds. It's in Hebrew. I have no idea what's going on. I'd rather be in a dentist having root canal than to sit for another half hour on one of these high holiday services. And even when they talk it in English, I have no clue what they're talking about. So I got to be honest. Why should I ever show up to a service? Let me tell you about this story. Because once this young boy, he was a farmer's boy, and the father goes, and the, the boy got beaten up by one of his, you know, farmer neighbor kids. And they call him, out. Ah, you're a Jew, you dirty Jew, whatever. What happened was, the kid goes over and says, Dad, they beat me up because I'm Jewish. What does it mean to be Jewish? So the father says, you know, we live far away from the Jewish community. It's time for me to introduce you to the Jewish people. Come into the Jewish community, a place called Mezebush. This is a story of the early 1700s in White Russia, Lithuania area. And he comes into a city called Mezebush, and he sees everybody running, running, all over the place. And... Father, the son is just watching what's happening. When all of a sudden, the kid goes and says, Dad, where's everybody running? He said, I don't know. So they stopped the guy and said, "We are you going? He says, in five minutes, it's called Nidre. We're going to services. All right. So he says, we're going too. So he walked into the synagogue of a great rabbi called the Baal Shem Tov, who just happened to be the founder of the Hasidic movement. And they're sitting in the back. And the father and the boy is just sitting there watching what's going on. This went on for an hour or two, but the boy is fascinated, how everybody's shaking back and forth, and they're screaming out, oh, saying all these words, he has no clue. He picks up the book, the guy sitting next to him turns it upside down, so the kid should at least know what, you know, which way to hold the book. And he's just staring. And the father's staying there, who has no clue what to do. Bored, but the kid is fascinated. All of a sudden, he asks his dad, he said, Pop, what are they doing here? He says, they're praying. Praying for what? They're praying that God should bless the Jewish nation with peace and happiness. And the whole world should stop fighting with each other. And the kid's looking around. And he sees everybody bobbing their head and shaking and reminds him like on the farm, it's like a chicken bobbing its head up and down and shaking back and forth. He says, Dad, I don't know how to pray. He says, whatever you want, just say it to God. Little did the father know that this kid broke out of his shell. And he looks around, and in his mind, he closes his eyes, and he says to himself, God, I'm part of the Jewish people. Give them peace. Give them happiness. Give them whatever they need. And let the world only know of goodness and happiness. And with those deep, deep thoughts, he had tears coming out of his eyes because it was the first time he ever felt that he was talking to God. He went, And the Valshem smiles. He leans over to the boy and gives him a kiss on the forehead. And he goes back to his place up front. And for the rest of the evening, instead of being so solemn, the Baal Shem Tov was clapping with his hands, the singing was lively. You thought it was a party on Yom Kippur. When the service was over, the father and the boy left. And the students went over to the Baal Shem Tov and asked, Rebbe, what was that all about? And the Baal Shem Tov said, I was praying hard and I was able to see in heaven that this year was not going to be a good year. And I tried gathering everybody's prayers from our congregation to give them as a gift to God. But it wasn't destroying the decree. And out of nowhere came the purest prayer that I ever heard. And it smashed the gates and went straight to the place of the decree and broke the decree. And when I opened my eyes, I noticed that that prayer came from that little boy. Don't you think I would walk over to him and thank him? So all the great rabbis and the students said, he doesn't know how to pray. He doesn't even know Hebrew. He doesn't even know that he's Jewish. How could he have done that? And the Baal Shem goes and says, in God's eyes, it's not always how religious you are. Many times it's how pure you are when you're serving me. That little boy at that moment served God with such purity that God said, wow, I love it. So teach and every one of us, when you go to service and you're bored out of your mind, I get it. But you have a few moments of your own. Make your own cock a doo Talk to God because you are precious and you're one of God's children and he wants to hear from you. You too can nullify a negative decree. You don't only have to rely on the rabbi. In fact, the mensch is relying on you. May each and every one of you have no fear. Go to a place where you can go and have services. Hear the shofar. And may God listen to all of your prayers and your requests. Because we all definitely need your pure hearts and your pure souls to speak to God on Rosh Hashanah. In the meantime, remember, each week, a lot of things come up. You got to make the right choice because you have to be a mensch. God bless you. And when Shabbos comes, have a good Shabbos.